Welcome to Machine Learning. Okay, today I want to talk about entropy and information. There's been some in, a lot of questions I've been noticing that have been coming in on listensoftware.com uh, related to information and entropy. And I'm thinking that's because that uh, we're moving into an expansion of information about almost everything. And so what is the... Uh, what is the question of, of entropy? Why is it becoming important in information theory? Well, what, what entropy says is uh, in a closed system where you have entropy, which is basically disequilibrium, or let me think, is it equilibrium or disequilibrium? Uh, it, it means that uh, things are, are moving into a less known or unpredictable state. In other words, the probabilities are becoming very unpredictable. Okay, so what happens as information increases in a system is your entropy decreases. So that one case of, um, of entropy working in a closed system with lots of information is the brain. Okay, why do you know, why doesn't the brain uh, break up into just random thought patterns, lots of phobias, lots of uncertainties, uh, lots of fears, etc.? Why doesn't it become that dysfunctionality? It's because there's lots of information. We're, but at the same time, we look at our, our systems of social media, you know, how much good information are you getting? Now, even with AI, it's going to start summarizing the information. It's going to help you find critical areas of, of, of thought to think about, and it's going to lead you along a certain path of, of probabilistic thinking based on the sectors that it finds signal in based on the questions that you're asking. So based on what you're asking, it's going to find try to determine the probable response to those um, sequences. So it takes in your sequence that becomes a question and it's going to generate a sequence that is probable for the answer. That neural machinery can be running across a vast level of information. So the idea is, in this case of sequence to sequence, is to reduce entropy in the system, which means to find probability and to provide meaningful answers. Now, in our discussion yesterday with Blackburn, uh, we were talking about could that be done with existing code? Could it ingest existing code and then find uh, meaningful responses in terms of what the code was doing so that other programmers could understand it or even other AI systems could ingest the code and begin to utilize it? Well. It all depends on whether or not signal could be found in that code. And in other words, that sequence could produce another sequence that was meaningful. And that's kind of the abstraction, you know, that human beings are so good at, is that we can, we can listen to um, a sentence or an idea in a paragraph, and then we can draw abstractions and connotations and deductions from that information. And that imagery can be associated with other imagery or um, 
models in our brain. I remember when I was working in college and I was studying under uh, Richard Miller, we were building neural nets and uh, trying to figure out uh, how to model the brain. And one thing that he had said to me that I always remember is that we have predispositions. In other words, our brain has been predisposed to certain things that we were exposed to either as children or or young adults that uh, make us kind of aware. We understand kind of what how it works. For example, differential equations. Maybe you understood derivatives in college and you understood limits and rates of change and um, geometry and algebra and those types of things. So when you get into get college and you take your differential equations that you're looking at <clears throat> as partial derivatives of how one thing changes in terms of another and how those uh, some of those parts can be used to explain the whole. Well, that that's really great. You have that predisposition. You have those models that helped you have a frame of reference. Okay, so when you're talking to people, you have the same thing. You have a, a kind of a model that you've built that helps you understand context or imagery that helps you understand feeling and emotion that's associated with what the person is saying. And also, God can send his spirit to help enlighten your brain because our brain is somewhat like a mechanism and we have three parts. We have a spiritual body, we have a physical body, and we have an emotional body. And those three entities uh, work to make our essence. And so we don't see the spiritual body. We know it's there when we feel it. We know we have an emotional body. We have, If you take away emotions, you will go insane. And there are people that have had diseases where they lose their emotional sense, and they they're intelligent, they can reason, they have logic, deduction, abstraction, but they cannot know who you are without having that sense of familiarity. And you could give them all the definitions in the world of who you are, and they would not accept you as someone they knew without emotion. So you have to have emotion. Without emotion, we would starve to death. Uh, how would we know when we're hungry? Well, we would have to have some meter <coughs> or metric that warned us that we haven't eaten in a certain amount of time. You know, our body might start shaking. Uh, we might <coughs> collapse under fatigue. And we might, at that point, realize something is dysfunctioning in our body. <coughs> and then reason that we don't have fuel. We didn't, we didn't eat. We didn't have food or dehydration that what could be a big problem is our organs start to shut down if we don't have emotion we don't have those sensations to drink water we might dehydrate ourselves so we we need pain we need those emotions we need joy to give us the motivations uh, these are really critical these these uh, experiences that we go through Okay, so going back to machines, why can machines talk to us uh, about emotional states if they don't have soul or they don't have these three entities? 
Well, it's all based on probability. So they, you know, they talk to uh, social networks. People talk about their emotions and feelings. And so they're, they create probabilistic uh, models of things like happiness. So when you're, when you're happy, um, you're motivated. So there's maybe some correlations to action based on emotions. So if you're happy about a person, you want to be around them. You want to talk to them. You make eye contact. You uh, show interest. If you dislike them, you don't listen to them. You divert from topic. You're distractive. You're disruptive. You start talking when they're talking. And those are, are uh, actions that are indications that you don't feel anything towards that person. So the um, the important thing is is you know what am I am I important to that individual and why am I important to that individual and how do I know that I'm important to that individual so you know uh, these are things that AI definitely picks up on in the social realms and when you ask it a question it's going to respond that way so when we go back to the question of entropy uh, information is used to reduce down the level of entropy or disorganization or improbability. Even if the information in, in, uh, continues to grow exponentially and we get now, instead of 35 exabytes, let's say we, we uh, grow at 35 exabytes a year, as in, AI starts to increase the information about everything. So we have IoT devices gathering information we have all these dimensions that are now uh, becoming possible to understand in real time. Everything is becoming simulated, so we understand, uh, you know, at the very moment what type of activity is going on, what the, the machinery is doing, what people are doing, how the things are moving around, even what, how they're communicating. And so there, this dysentropy or this, uh, entropy move where things are kind of like following the second law of thermodynamics, which is like if you put something hot in a, a liquid, it's going to dissipate. Why does it dissipate or distribute over the molecules? Well, you've got vibration in the atoms, and the atoms are transferring energy to each other, and they're causing other atoms to vibrate, and that transfer eventually... Uh, reduces and there's some excess given off in the form of heat and so that as that heat is dissipating that energy and the vibration and the atoms are slowing down so but when you have things like a, a thermos or something like that it it reflects some of that energy back into the system and so the system does not um, lose that energy as quickly and so the second law of thermodynamics uh, is reduced. So information works somewhat like that in a closed system. It reduces the entropy rate. And so I'm, it, it's interesting that those types of questions are surfacing and they're happening quite a bit. And I think that, that maybe people are starting to wonder is uh, AI going to be a good thing as we get more information about everything? You know, as we get more information of what's going on in the Ukraine, more information about what's happening uh, in all aspects of chemistry or biology, 
you know, the, the amount of information in computer science is phenomenal. And so as all this information is becoming available, and literally now instead of hundreds of courses, you have thousands of courses, and let's say, you know, you take the sum of all human knowledge and in terms of training, what if it's millions of courses? And, you know, how does one person absorb that much information and let alone capability? And so now you have this era where people are going becoming highly specialized. So they do one very, thing very good and they understand it very well. And then you have groups of specialists in order to accomplish group functionality. So you might have to hire a thousand people to get the full level of specialized functionality where each person is a specialist in their own segment of work. And, uh, you know, that's that's challenging because that means that only the large companies that could flourish. Well, but then you look at the cost effectiveness of small companies, and small companies are basically more efficient at, with their resources, and so they're using those resources to innovate quicker. And so that, that the capitalization occurs uh, in small businesses through innovation because they they are using their resources <coughs> more efficiently. Now, th what they're doing is they're niching. So, so almost like a specialist, they're niching very carefully into one sector and then uh, catching the attention of the larger company as they need that specialization and so, like we were talking about Cisco, they they absorb that specialization into their company. They have these generalized finance and HR and and logistics systems for manufacturing uh, that they can take and utilize from at a large scale. But at the same time, they have the these uh, really specialized departments that they absorb from acquisitions that give them. Uh, the, the specialized functionality that does not exist in their company or they identify as part of their goal. And so the large companies then acquire small companies to achieve that, that level of proficiency. Well, you know, and you, and you say, well, yeah, do I want to be a small company and come up with great ideas like that? And the answer is yes. And then can I grow my company into a large company um, there's lots of barriers to competition. There's marketplace barriers. You know, it's almost impossible today because with all the people that are competing on the internet and all the information, you know, getting visibility is is uh, incredibly difficult. In fact, it's almost as if the search engines are shutting down your visibility. In other words, if they see that you have any uh, feeds coming in from any other sources than their search engine, they shut off their search engine. And it's like, yeah, let's kill the power. We got another source of energy where we're getting that, uh, getting those leads in, so we'll just shut off the power. And it's phenomenal because, really, if you think about it, that means that you would have to pay, in this case, in order to survive, you would have to pay Google money in order to gain any market visibility at all, period. I mean, there's no there's no element of randomness to it at all, because once it detects that you are getting some visibility from an external source, it shuts down all of its capability. And so 
all of a sudden you see your search engine capabilities drop to zero. And, um, you know, that's, that's challenging that then you're forced like these podcasts to create content. So you're creating lots of content and talking to people and uh, that becomes the new energy. So your own voice becomes that energy that is uh, creating your visibility. You know, so if you're looking at it from a standpoint of a startup and you're walking into this, you're going to get a brief period of free energy and then uh, it will realize that the newness is over and it will begin, uh, the AI on the Google side will begin analyzing to see how you perform and if there's any interest and then you'll start into the long tail which is uh, a rapid drop down in visibility and then uh, it will analyze you to see if you get any sources other than its server for energy and if you do then it'll cut off all of its uh, resource and I've noticed that as I've been pushing harder into Facebook and different groups there to uh, help learn Flutter that what's happening is my actual views have been dropping on the Google side and and the content is just as good it's it's uh, it's it's a valuable content it had in high levels of interest there was one one where I had 900 views and then it went to zero how do you get 900 views and then all of a sudden moved to zero. Why didn't uh, Google pick up on that trend and then continue to promote it through its search engines? Because its search engines are not based on popularity anymore. They're based on energy. And so it's trying to figure out uh, where energy is coming from and if it gets energy from external sources, then it, it uh, does not divert any of its energy that it's using on its server to your to your resource. So we, we've changed in that sense. And um, so then as you're thinking about marketing, which is money, you're actually buying energy on that server. And so um, that's uh, an interesting response now it becomes kind of matrixy like thing where things where energy is the scarcity and commodity in marketing and visibility and um, that's always challenging and always disturbing when it moves into those realms because uh, only big companies can produce that level of energy so it does seem like media is moving to the large companies